You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You still like you're like awkward. Okay. It like it makes you look bigger when you're over there. I am bigger, and then I flex my my triceps. Yeah. <laughs> I like that we just talked about how unhealthy you were, and now you're over here trying to flex and show Derek, off your muscles. Derek said something like that once when we were kayaking. Now it's like pulling my kayak out, and he goes, "Boy, for someone that's un- as unhealthy as you, you sure do look like you take care of yourself." And I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. I think it's just observational. It's farmer of, strength. Uh, you know, it's like, man, you eat a lot of Arby's, and you still. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you probably have like really good genes. So if you would just like, you know, eat some salads and run a little bit, you could like really. What we did at White Castle the other day was I, a marvel. I know what it you was did. marvel, and I didn't eat my last burger because I told Jacob, <laughs> "I go if I eat this, I can eat it, no problem." But I know that that'll be my tipping point into getting sleepy. So I'm just going to throw it away. So Jacob goes, well, if you're going to throw it away, I'll eat it. <laughs> so he eats it, and then he slacks me like an hour later. And he's like, I'm getting sleepy. I'm like, yeah, you ate the forbidden burger. It was a double, <laughs> it too. Was it was like a six-inch tall White Castle. Dude, so I haven't been to World of Beer to get the pimento cheeseburger in months. Uh, like, I haven't been – I've been trying to eat better, and I have that place, I can't go in there without spending 50 bucks and, you know, eating 2,000 calories. So I made uh, – I, I do um, – smash burgers venison smash burgers uh, with my grind and um normally they're pretty healthy like overall because i'm like grain-free bun i i they're super lean a little bit of cheese maybe uh, caramelized onions and that's it for me but this one <laughs> I, did, I, I did like pimento cheese on the smash burger and i fried it because why wouldn't you like i fried the cheese um i took each one i took like two giant spoonfuls and put them out into patties and then fried it, and it was the best thing ever. But I, I was in the condition that you guys were in after eating White Castle. So it's like mixed into the meat. The no, no, no. I, I f- do the smash burger, fry the like, smash down the the meat, ninety seconds on each side or so, and then I, once I was done, I the cheese was the pimento cheese. So I like threw the spoonfuls, smoothed it out so that, I, and then <laughs> so fried it's like a it. Pimento cheese patty. Yeah, yeah, and then flipped it. I mean, it didn't hold like like a patty per se like a hash brown but it was like literally just 30 seconds on each side just to warm it up and make it a little creamy but dude Mm. i'm getting hungry right now because we're going to the end of the day yeah yeah Mm. but it was so good so uh i haven't been back out to hunt my my little spot um do we need to do an intro to to what this is to this podcast we just kind of rolled into it welcome to uncensored sponsored by gun know where they are now they may not know it's brought by gun or sponsored by gun broker that part we could we're a little bit out of our element we usually Um, we usually film these on mondays yeah and now it's it's friday it's 4 40 on a friday and we're all itching to get outside polar vortex is coming down is it dude monday is the best day to hunt i can't it's my son's birthday it's gonna be high in the forties Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and yeah, Tuesday's right, right. Halloween, so what, that's out. So yeah. Monday looks really good. Okay, if you can go, I uh, I will see if I can go. Uh, I, I was gonna go Sunday, but I can't now. Um, but 
Yeah, I took Jacob out the other day. I don't remember if I've talked about this on a podcast. Is it Jacob about hunting? Not, not oh, me. different Jacob. Oh, okay. I think I did. That's right. I think I now remember explaining that on I the show. I was about to be like, so why am I not I haven't been out. What? No, I mean, you could. <laughs> if, yes, I, I told you I would take you, but you have to shoot a bow. <laughs> it was the day you ate the White Castle. He was afraid of what you'd do. <laughs> I told him. I was like, Jacob's got a crossbow. You could, he, I, I said, 10 minutes. I told him. We were, just, we were just talking about this. I just listened to Dan Johnson on, uh, <laughs> on the O2 podcast. Yeah. And he was pretty much saying, like, unless you're disabled, you should not be using a crossbow. I mean, that's and from a guy with nine fingers. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. Well, that's kind of how I felt anyways. <laughs> but now I really don't want to get in. So I just got to get a bow purchase up on my list of things to do. You, Next you, season, pull, I Pull I the trigger with your toe. It makes you feel better. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Well, I was just trying to give you opportunity, which I took you last year. And you're like, I don't want to shoot a doe. And he didn't shoot the doe that stood in front of him for half an hour. And then it, how, was pretty, it was 100 yards away. It wasn't uh, that, how much deer meat did you end up with a Dan? I still had some leftover. What from from me giving it to you? How many times no, have you? He, how he many times have you passed on your buck this season? Well, I still have deer meat. So I have deer meat. I'm too. going to pull the trigger on one of these things. Um, the the will you firearm hunt that? <coughs> no, I can't. Just, just I can't. archery. No, I can't. Um, I mean, it's like yeah, yeah the worker no, be uh, like the, got, redacted. Yeah, we gotta we gotta redact that. Jake could um, mean anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The worker would be like, "No one will care." Yeah. <laughs> you can fire yeah. a gun. No one will care. Uh, the so, <laughs> what the reason I bring that up is uh, I'm hunting. So I, I podcasted with Matt Rinaldi the other day, and uh, you know a big part of Matt's thing. Go well, rewind a little bit. Why, how did Matt Rinaldi get? How did you get on Matt Ranella's radar? Well, hang on. I think we forgot to say thank you to Gunbroker, though. We kind of got... I, I started... Well, really I know. Tight. We started it, but then we got distracted. I'm sorry for everybody listening to this show. We're awful at this. <laughs> We're ready for um, this weekend. 443 Yeah, I know. But <laughs> shout out to our sponsor, Gunbroker. If you haven't checked them out, uh, awesome place for new firearms. You can get loaded up for your... we got plenty of time for your waterfowl season. They do sell new and used firearms and tons of historicals, tons of other gear. So yeah, accessories, trail check, cams. Check out Gunbroker.com. Yeah. Gunbroker.com. Yeah. In our other show, we're make them, that happen. No low ballers. We we go into some pro tips on a couple of the episodes with Dave Parrish from their team. Penny auctions, rare ammo, that kind of stuff. Go on there and get some tips. Listen to tips from the Dave. The Dave. So I I got started with Matt Ranella on this. How it happened because uh, randomly one night. I decided to try a Reddit Ask Me Anything, which is when you post, you say who you are, you say what you've done, and you you post it into a, a subreddit, which is kind of like a trail on Go Wild, if you're not familiar with that. We stole those from Reddit. That's where the idea came from. Uh, and, and you just see what happens. And I was kind of confident I was going to get annihilated because Reddit is so anti-self-promotion, and, and I was afraid it was going to be flagged as that, and it wasn't. Did you post in a hunting Reddit? It's in the hunting subreddit. Yeah. And so, which is a sometimes nasty place yeah. like it, it's reddit you know yeah. you, you can i've been eaten alive there before and i assumed that was what was going to happen but it actually it was it was uh it was interesting but one of the things you know given the fact that i was talking about the, I, I founded the social media company i openly said that i have you know been openly um in opposition to matt ranella's stance on social media I did that knowing that it would probably fire up a couple people. I may have, you know. Kick a little hornet's nest. Yeah, I kicked the hornet's nest on that. And immediately this one guy starts firing on me. And, I mean, just everything that he was kind of throwing and lobbing off was just it – was, it was a really poorly articulated uh, half-thought idea. But it turned into some de- debate around uh, what I disagree with Matt Ranella on. And uh, and then, you know, there's things I do agree with Matt Ranella. And if you don't know who we're talking about, it's Stephen Ranella's brother – 
he he made a big stink about 18 months ago around um, social media and hunting and that you should stop posting dead animals online, which honestly, I don't disagree with some of his points on that. I, I've been, if you've listened to our old show, Restless Native, you know I've had many discussions on the, the downsides of gripping grins. And that was on Steve's show. That was on Steve's show. It was on Blood Origins. He went on there. The Steve show was nasty. I mean, honestly, they were, uh, it, it got pretty heated at times. Um, and then he wrote a big article in the free range American magazine about this whole thing too. And so I tried to rebuttal that in free range American and they said, no, thanks. And so we, we posted a big rebuttal. And so anyways, out of this sub, this post on Reddit, the Matt has a podcast called hunt quietly, which I didn't know about until this happened, but they were like, well, you should come on here and debate us about it. So I did it the other night. Uh, and, and what made me think of this while we're talking about the lease is that I'm hunting a private lease and they think that that's not cool. Like they, they are very anti lease people. Um, and that mine's not a lease. I'm not paying like to hunt this spot. It was my friend and it's a good situation. You're hunting someone else's private. Yeah. Which is how I've typically hunted private land is that I've had access through someone that just gives me access. And it's a business. It's not like someone bought a piece of property just for hunting. Yeah. You know, this is, it's different from like a thousand acre lease that I'm paying, you know, seven grand for, but those guys are, it's interesting because they, um, they're very, like, I was asking them like, what should people in Texas do, man? Like Texas has 2% public land. Texas is massive. It's the second largest state in the country. Like that's how you get to hunt is through private. And you know, it's like when you start going down those rabbit hole of questions, you guys will be able to hear this. Unfortunately, Matt said they're backed up like two months. So my show will come out with Christmas. It'll be a nice little Christmas gift for you guys, I guess, around that time frame. Um, but they're, they're very, I, I just can't get there on their beef with private land. They do have some good initiatives they're trying to do where they, they're trying to create incentives and, and programs where private landowners can make their land public. And I think that's a cool initiative, but I don't have like personal beef if someone decides not to do that with property they own. Like, I think it's your property. I'm very much a capitalist. Like you earn that, you pay for that. You should be able to decide what to do with it. Now I don't like, I'm not saying I'm like go build strip malls and you know, kill habitat. That's not what I'm saying. But if it's your land and you want to lease it to somebody else, like I think you have a right to do that. Those guys would totally disagree. Uh, but it was interesting. Like my biggest goal with going into this was, you know, they, they are very anti posting dead animals on social media, which I am too. But I've heard Matt say things that he thinks that this content that gets posted then turns around and goes into like animal legislation, animal rights act, uh, activist legislation or their campaigns. And they do steal the images often. But my, my point was, you know, we, we, if we stop talking about hunting altogether and we aren't advocates for hunting, we actually have no ammunition against those campaigns. Those campaigns aren't going to stop. If everybody tomorrow unfollowed all the influencers, which is he, what he wants you to do and stop posting about hunting, there is no way that the center for biological diversity and the humane society USA and PETA and all these groups, they're not going to stop all of a sudden they, the, all those organizations, every one of them existed pre social media. Every one of them date back to like the seventies and eighties or, or earlier. If and they want to get the images, they will just have to work harder. Well, it's, to not, get them. it's not even about the images. They, they, their whole thing. I, I tried to explain this to these guys. Like basically what it came down to is they think land access is the biggest problem for hunting. And it's, and I get it. It's a, and overcrowding and overcrowding. Well, that's why they want, they want more access. Cause they, Matt wants to increase the huntable 
acres per hunter, which is awesome. Like, right. Who would disagree with that? Right. Um, but I told him, my thing is none of that matters if we don't solve this other problem, which is the, I mean, the center for biological diversity, right? This group has a massive operating budget. They have more than a hundred attorneys on staff, which is generally probably more attorneys than all of the hunting nonprofits combined. Like, think about that. And when, and just, if that's not making sense to our listener, those nonprofits litigate and, and fight against these, these cases that these groups bring in. And, and so like they, they take funding, right? All that takes funding. And this is where another issue I have with their point of like, I've heard him say multiple times that we should have half as many hunters. And I kept asking them, okay, we have half as many hunters. The, then who pays for everything that you guys want? Cause everything you want takes money. All this access you're wanting to create takes money. And you know, people, they didn't directly say this, this time, but I've heard in other conversations, it seems like they're like, well, the shooting sports are the ones that create the Pittman Robinson dollars anyways, which is true. They've taken over as lead, but hunting still contributes a massive amount of, obviously hunters are buying a massive amount of ammunition, right. And firearms, even if you took us off the plate and you lived in this world where you had half as many hunters, it's a misunderstanding of how Pittman Robertson works, which is the act that says, you know, it's an excise tax on guns and ammunition. It's 10 to 11%. I can't remember which one is which off the top of my head, but basically all that funding goes into a pool and then the federal government doles it out to the states based on how much land you have to, to manage. That's 50% of that funding. The other 50% is based on your tags. So how many, how many tags are you, how many hunters are you creating? And so if, if you had half as many hunters, then you lose half of your federal dollars that come out of Pittman Robertson. You, the state does not have access to it. Right. So, and, and some states would be impacted by that less. Like Dan, Dan and I looked up Kentucky, Dan looked up Kentucky and, and Kentucky would lose, um, I think it was like maybe 25 or, or 15% of its budget. But some states are severely dependent on, on Pittman Robinson. I, I was reading somewhere, and I, I didn't have time to verify this because I was kind of just refreshing on some of the stuff before the show with Matt. But some, it's, it's like as low as like 15%, but as high as 90% for some states. So they're very dependent on those dollars. Um, but then they also get in a scenario where now they're – having to sell the WMAs. Yeah, some some to, states get into that because be they can't the money. because they can't you guys that one in yeah. Kentucky. They can't afford to manage the property and then, or or for whatever reason, you know, I don't think any state wants to do that. Or they own the property and they can't manage it and they're not cutting clear cuts and making good deer habitat or yeah, turkey habitat. Managing. Yeah, it just turns into big woods. But if know. that gets bought and then subdivided, it's never going to be habitat again. You, you know, know, it'll never, you know, it if it gets turned easily. into uh, if 100 acres gets ten, turned into 20 lots, you know, you know, what's going to happen on that. So, um, but, so that's like one of my things, but the, the biggest one is that the, I just don't think that argument is thinking through like saying that we should just walk away from social media, which Matt has come around a little bit on this. They're using social media to podcast, to post about their show, to try to get their message out there. And, um, I think, I think his message is probably more in line with it's okay to talk about hunting, but stop posting dead stuff. Right. Like that seems to be more of where he's at. Um, but you know, the, the thing, there's a ton of research out there that if we were talking about food, like that's the greatest thing we can do for hunting because the stats on that, and I can't remember the source of the study. Um, I had it for Matt's podcast. I don't have it in front of me now. Uh, the, there, there was a study done 
and oh, it was by Responsive Management, a uh, big research company within the hunting industry. And Responsive Management in 2019 did a study that said 85% of people approve of hunting for food. That stat goes up to 91% if they know a hunter personally. If they've eaten wild game, that stat goes up to 95% of people would approve of hunting. And so, like, my thing to them is if we aren't talking about hunting and the benefits of it and what, you know, don't post dead animals. Let's just talk about, like, let's just say we leave that off. If we're talking about all the other stuff, you know, whether it's conservation or the food, really, that like land management, whatever, you know, we're winning advocates all along the way. And then as we, if every, every hunter right now introduced just five people a year to wild game, like within two years, we would have half the population would be, would approve of hunting. If we stop talking about it though, you know, these groups don't go away. They've totally mastered the, the art of suing and raising money alongside of this. I, I was talking to our buddies over at Sportsman's Alliance about how this works and what they've seen since 1985, when the Equal Rights for Justice Act was passed, which is the right that says if you sue the government and you win, the government has to pay your legal fees. So these groups are masters at using this, and they will they will sue uh, based off of some kind of uh, law that that they're suing against, and they will start raising money alongside that. And they'll say, help, help us protect the wolf or whatever it is, right? And so they start a marketing campaign now. They're raising tens of millions of dollars all along the way to help fight the case, right? Well, the case is going to get paid for if they win. If it doesn't, what they do, often they plan on losing these cases. They know they're going to lose, but they're prepping for the next one, which they're trying to get to a ballot. So now if they lose and if they win, great, right? For them, they great. They gets paid for, they doubled their, well, more than doubled their money. They got their legal expenses paid and they got this marketing campaign. If they lose and it goes to a ballot, guess what they're doing now? All that money that they raised to pay for litigation is all going into marketing campaigns to, to work against the, the, the hunter, right? Like it, it's going to funnel um, these campaigns. And, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen some of the stuff they do, but like a tactic that they'll often do to confuse the general population who doesn't follow this stuff, they'll say things like, I'll just make this one up. This is not a real example for the record. I'll make it up. But let's say in Wisconsin, they've got this bill and they're called, it's called like the no hunting wolf bill. Well, wolves, you already can't hunt wolves in Wisconsin. But they'll say things like hunters shouldn't be allowed to hunt wolves in like in Wisconsin. It's like it's already a fact that you can't, right? Mm-hmm. They're considered endangered. But they'll they'll use this slippery language, right? That they're really good at these sound bites. And people people hear that and they're like, man, you really shouldn't be able to hunt wolves, right? It's like that wasn't what it was ever about, right? Though it would be some kind of ancillary, you know, uh, initiative with, with trapping or something um, or whatever it is. I'm just again, I'm just making up a fictitious example here. But um, they'll, they'll use this. These, they're really good at sound bites and fundraising, and they use social media. I mean, honestly, the explosion of litigation that has happened is probably like a lot of it can probably be attributed to how good they are at social media because they they have these massive followings. They can use it for fundraising really well. Fundraising has gotten super easy with the you know the internet. It's not like you're having to listen to Sarah McLaughlin commercials on TV and remember the phone number and call and donate whatever over the phone. Like it's super easy. You hit a link and you can give them your credit card and they just take that out every month. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you know the the other thing I, I've tried to hammer into these guys is like this wasn't anti hunting was not an advent of social media. It's like Sportsman's Alliance was created in 1970 to combat these issues, and since then it has skyrocketed on because it's gotten really politicized, and these groups have gotten really organized. You know, that Center for Biological Diversity group I was talking about—they started in 1985 with like three people, 
And now they're the ones I was telling you have this like multi hundred million dollar budget that they're doing. And that's one group. We're not even talking about PETA or Humane Society, you know. I I find the humor in the name of that organization. Oh, yeah. That if they go out and they stop hunting seasons, it's going to cause overpopulations of certain biodiversity that is going to kill or put down other species. Well, that's the other thing that happens. So a, a lot of. I mean, predators are an easy one to go after because they, you know, it's really a hot button issue, right? Even you'll hear hunters argue about whether or not you should hunt predators. But part of the tactic is they know if they can protect the predator, the ungulate population gets hit. Well, it gets hit. And now we have fewer deer numbers, elk numbers, whatever. And now there's fewer hunters because they can't release as many tags. So it's an indirect, like, you know, it's not just taking that one species off. They know it's going to impact the hunted population, like the the big game that everybody's really after because predator hunting is a small portion of hunting overall. But they they know that. That's part of their goal is to have this indirect, you know, hit. I mean, everything that they do is it's not about – they plan this stuff out decades in advance. They know it's going to take three years to get something to a ballot. And, and like, they're building the steps all along the way – and meanwhile, you know, we're over here underfunded and undermanned and, you know, trying to respond. And thank God we have a group like Sports and Alliance that keeps track of this stuff. They tracked 1,300 initiatives this year. And, and I, I, on Matt's show, I went through because I, I was like, I'm trying to hammer home that we can't stop talking about hunting. This is a given this false sense of security that, like, if we just unfollow hunting influencers, everything's fixed. And then, you know, and they think a lot of the tag crowding comes from influencers. I'm like, I don't know, maybe it does that like that part of it. Maybe, I mean, part of what I want to do, why, why I want to go out West is because I've seen how fun it looks, right? Like I've seen that content. And so like, I have a hard time arguing against that really, but to say that like the anti-hunting movement is because of the social media and the grip and grins, it's just not true. Or to say, if you're fish and wildlife department for your state, a lot x amount of tags and people get those tags that somehow those people's fault yeah you know well, it's it's, well, it's peti- all, like petition science your, behind that it's not like they're just coming up we want to make so much money so we're going to put yeah. 200 tags and if out. it is we want to make so much money then talk to your fish and wildlife department for your state and say hey w- you know we're only getting 50 percent success rates on turkey hunts we need to decrease the number of tags or how many you know your bag limits or whatever you don't go after the people that are saying, oh, you're offering a tag for, you know, 150 bucks. Okay, yeah, I'll take I, you up on that. You don't like make you a bad guy. If I was out west and I was a resident, I would want to cut down the non-resident. I mean, the non-resident in some states out there over the last 10 years, it's up 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that's happening. Yeah, from um, the economic side, it brings more revenue than just the yeah, tag to yeah. the state. But what's funny is, you know, I talked to these guys about this, and I was, I was trying to tell them, I'm like, Hunting pressure is not a problem like it is for you guys everywhere. And they don't agree with me. And I meant to ask them if they've actually hunted out east, you know, at all. Um, There was a lot of things I meant to ask them. But, you know, the debate kind of went all over the place. But, um, I mean, it's just not in Kentucky, man. I mean, and and it was funny because Matt was like, well, I just heard you talking to a guy in Michigan about how pressured your hunt was. I was like, oh, no, no, no. That was a private land hunt. I knew he was talking about where I used to hunt deer. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, man, I heard 200 shots in opening day. In but there's season. still plenty of deer. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's like there's there's no like less opportunity. Maybe there's not as many trophies, but like I've seen plenty of good deer. I just didn't get the pop on them, right? Like he's like, so do you want more? And I'm like, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's not a problem here, like you guys think it is everywhere. And there's parts of of the east that 
certainly have room for more hunters. Like, there's just no doubt. There are some states. I saw Alabama. I was looking at Alabama's data on this dashboard that Dan sent me, and Alabama's a state that's had a big surge. And I don't know what that's about. I don't know. I would have to like. There's so many things that correlate to that, and some of it's bad data, man. There's some states you'll see, like you'll see a trend line, and then all of a sudden it just tanks. And it's not a COVID thing or, or, or some black swan event. It's like some of these states are just the data is bad. And so it's really hard to like start making observations. I just think it's dangerous the way they're like, well, since 2016, you know, we can, you can plot the Matt's all about plotting the, these shows and their growth. And then the growth of like the Western, the tags, but I'm like, okay, if, you, if I did that same thing right now, and I, I should have used this example on him, if I plotted, Starting in uh, January, I'm going to plot how much ice cream gets eaten a year. Okay, I'm going to do this across the nation, and I were to plot that ice cream chart, and then I plotted pool drownings. You know what you would see? You would see that ice cream eating goes up at the same time that pool drownings start to go up, and it comes back down when pool drownings stop happening. And it's like that's because summer, man. It's not yeah, like kids eat ice cream and drown in a pool. Causation is not correlation. Like that's where I think like a lot of what they're doing is is kind of dangerous in how they're presenting the data and, and they're I, snipping it to start at 2016 because on that dashboard we looked at which went back to the i don't know the 60s or something it it peaked in the 80s it dropped down and now it's getting back up to but, uh, 1980s but now still, yeah there's less there's probably less land available a lot of those states are flat though a lot of them are down like it's just not I mean, I even had, I posted about the, I listened to uh, the Randy Newberg show that they had and I posted about and put some of my comments out there. And there's another dude that hunts Eastern Kentucky and he laughed. He's like, dude, hunting pressure here is not what it is out West. I mean, I was out bow hunting the other day or, or I was scouting. I wasn't even hunting yet um, in, on public land and I didn't see a soul. There was 53,000 acres of access and I was at the front of it and I how didn't many, see a soul. How many states are they talking about? Because out West is, that's general. Um, I mean, they think all 50 states are, have high hunting pressure. I mean, I literally, I ask them, I'm like, what states? And they're like, all of them. I mean, I just don't agree with it, man. I mean, like, it's just not my experience here. It's not like if you live generally in the East, there's, there is public land access. Yeah. Kentucky's a state with only 4% public land, but Kentucky's a four hour drive across the whole stupid state. Like this is not like, Oh, woe is me. I can't hunt. Like you can totally go hunt for the weekend if you want to. You know, I think a lot of this is like people complaining that they've lost their spot that they've driven 30 minutes to their whole life, which is about the average that an average hunter drives to their hunting spot. But, you know, Dan over here is a, a, uh, I hate the term, but that's what everybody says, but adult onset hunter. And he's figuring it out. He's driving hours to go scout and hang trail cameras and stuff. It's not like Dan hasn't had any access issues. He's got other DMA, uh, WMAs that are close by 30 minutes away that he's hunted. Like, And when he buys his bow next year, he's going to have even more opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference with, with me is I'm going into it with the expectation of I might be out there for three days straight and not see a deer, and will I still have fun doing it? Yes. And if your expectation is every time you go out, you're going to get a ton of opportunities, and you're definitely going to, you know, get some sort of monster buck, you know, those days might be over. But, you know, that's kind of how the same way I am with fishing. When you know, you call it fishing, not catching. When I, yeah, I've done, not, not shooting. It's like literally yeah. most of I'm my not summer. Shooting. I have, this is, I mean, I, I fished way more than I normally do this year and I was terrible. Like I just horrible luck all year. It's been, it's been, it was a weird, me. weird I didn't summer. I did catch as much this year either. Yeah. yeah. I, I royally sucked. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say how bad it was, but you know, the, um, 
I've, I've listened to a decent amount of his content now, and I, I told them, I'm like, I, I think you guys, I really believe this. I think you guys are doing a good thing for conversation. Like, I, I listen to Randy Newberg, and, you know, I, he's challenging Randy on, like, you know, you should be presenting better content for the presentation of hunting. But, but I hear Matt say things like, you know, influencers have decided we need more hunters, and they, they're all in the R3 movement, but they didn't ask us. But the flip side of that is they've already spoken for what kind of content they want. Why do you think these videos that Randy says it? He's like, when I post an elk video, it will have 20,000 views in an hour if it has a dead elk in it. When I post a video about conservation, and Randy does a cool thing where he requires that 40, I think it's 40% of his videos have to be about conservation. He said, if I post those, they get like 800 views, like lifetime. He said, people don't want that. You know, it's it's this whole like, what do people want? I'm like that. That's why these guys get popular mm-hmm. is because people want to see what Randy Newberg is doing. They want to see Steven Ronella. And I, I think there's some interesting conversations that Matt brings up about like some shows don't sh- show at all. And that's true. I know it's true. Cause I know people that have, you know, wounded, not talked about it on shows or whatever. Um, but I think when I look at like Steve's show, Nick Hoffman, with what he does, like going into a new area, new country or whatever, and talking about the culture and learning about the history of the animal you're hunting, like that's putting hunting in a good light. I mean, I, I told Matt that, um, I'm like, dude, twice this week, twice I've, I've seen venture capitalists talk about your brother and how they want to find the next Steven Ronella. And he's like, well, that's the last thing we need is venture capitalists in hunting. And I'm like, <laughs> I knew he was going to say that, but I'm like, I get that. I get your point. But the my point being that we've like we're at a point now where their hunting has become friendly enough to where a VC would consider investing in it. And Steve's raised a butt ton of money for Meat Eater, so they already are investing in it. But I'm saying it's makes it's made it palatable, you know. Like in some ways, we are winning that that impression of what it is to be a hunter. But it's through good content. Like Steve, Matt's totally right. Like don't post your deer picture with beer cans in the truck and the dead tongue hang, or the tongue flopping out and blood everywhere like you look like a maniac and it's like that's what i you could show me that picture jacob and i would be like dude that's a great buck and i wouldn't think about any of that stuff right like that and that's matt's point like showing your friends is cool but when you post it out there with no contacts it hurts hunting and i'm like there, i truthfully like 60 percent of his points that he makes around this kind of stuff i agree with him dead on it's the 40 percent that we disagree on like i i, I talked to him i'm like they talk a lot about um it, it's almost like downsizing the industry is what they want. And I asked them about this and, and they didn't have a good answer on it. Uh, but you know, I'm like, our, our, everything we love is valuable because, uh, it has a multi-billion dollar industry behind it. Like politicians care because we have that purchase power. And if you take all that away and we have half the hunters and the industries, like fractions of what it was, like, does anybody care anymore? You know, does anybody care? Like, to me, you're going to lose hunting access and hunting rights, which is way right. worse right. than land access. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it, the 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 reason we can win these fights that we're in right now is because we have active hunters. We have people that uh, vote to approve this stuff. But like, if we cut all that down just to open up more, a now when when access issues come up, who's voting for it? You know, if 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 half the people were participating. And, you know, you, you, that's 7 million people spread across the planet or the, the country, man. That's like, there's probably more people that quilt in their spare time than hunt at that point. Like how irrelevant is our audience becoming? 7 million people is not a lot of people spread across 50 states too. Mm-hmm. So, 
I just I, I like really struggle still with a lot of the like key points they seem to make on on that show. But I, I told him I'm like I th- I hope you keep doing this. And I I my one of my biggest takeaways from him or for him I was like I hope you guys will figure out like how to make this messaging more presentable because you can't come after the industry. Like they, they were complaining because brands won't respond to them. I'm like, yeah, because you're like coming after them trying to downsize the industry is how it sounds. Like you guys need to work on how you're positioning this, make it a real movement, ha- give it some pow- marketability to it. You can't like right now, I feel like everything's operating under honestly kind of like extremist language and it's getting attention. It's creating conversation, but that's only going to build so much momentum. Like it's just, you're going to get people on the fringe. You know, you need to, if you're going to really make a movement and change things, you got to get everybody bought in and using combative language, like, you know, going after campaigns. I just don't see like what the like stop hammering. They keep laying into that language. They got shirts now that are anti campaigns. And I'm like, picking on campaigns does not help us. Like this is fragmenting us. Actually. I think we're actually now, weakening ourselves to my whole point is like we yep. need to be figuring out how to get on the same page that's not, what the anti-hunting groups want they're yeah. okay with this they oh, don't so they spend love a this. dollar to do anything about us just fighting just with watch each us other. piss and moan and yell at each other <laughs> over crossbows and a thousand yard shots and all this stuff and i don't know it was interesting I, I i i matt did say he likes elements of what we do at go wild but then he i think he told me at the end i'm part of the problem because i have a platform where people post dead shit online that they they uh you know, that you don't to people you don't know. And I'm like, yeah, but it's in a closed network. And, and a lot of the people on Reddit were the same way. They started out upset and then you, know, you could tell they didn't know what Go Wild was. And they're like, oh, I just downloaded the app or oh, I just yeah. went to the website yeah. and it's actually pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And I'm going to open an account. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, he's like, oh, uh, one thing they hammered me on and I knew they were going to, but I stopped hammering. They, one thing they stopped hammering me on. <laughs> no, uh, when they, they hit me pretty hard over the, um, I told him about how, you know, my whole thing since the beginning is like meeting kids where they are, which is on screens and helping them understand the outdoors through an app can get them outside and off the screens. And the, um, the other guy, but they were both named Matt. So it's super confusing. Not Ranella was like, well, if you're getting kids to get rewards, to get stickers to when, and that's why they fish, isn't that for the wrong reasons? I'm like, they start for that. Nobody continues that to get win stickers. Like no, I'm, and, I'm getting them we, that experience. Like dads are messaging yeah. me and saying, my daughter never wanted to fish with me, but now we have a go out app and she'll go and she enjoys it. Yeah. And we give rewards for just logging time, fishing for leaving reviews on lures. You know, it's not just about the only way to, right, to get trophy. points, but, but I knew they were going to hammer me on that, but I was like, I'm not going to try to hide what we are. You know, it's like the, no. I, I, I've been hit over the trophy system. People are like, well, you're incentivizing people to go kill the biggest thing. And I'm like, we also have a doe log. Who ha- who else ever has a trophy log for a doe or a cow elk, you know? Like, it's just – it's a totally different system. And I'm not going to apologize for what we've done because I think we've gotten a lot of people into the outdoors that wouldn't have been there otherwise, so. And at the same token, like, it, it gives credit to people that don't go shoot a ginormous buck. Right to be part of the part of the conversation yeah. part of the mix i yeah. hate seeing people send not the biggest but you know it's like nah man this is go out you can post whatever you want i posted yeah. toothpicks one time you can do this <laughs> <laughs> i told him that story um all right guys it's friday we're at 34 minutes uh it's friday at 5 12 and these guys want some brewskis i can just feel it so um do you already have a brewski? We already started. Yeah, yeah we yeah, had a conference have... call and it's we should right. have open the show. Light. Yeah, you could have. Uh, when you get a beer sponsor, <clears throat> that's that's a country good one. boy. Country boy. I literally almost said that. 
Country Boy, sponsored country, by Country Boy. If you're listening, sponsored by Gunbroker and Alcohol. That this is how that doesn't yeah. sound super Maybe. great. In that order is okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. that's true. Yeah, yeah. you can go sh- like the the shooting events you'll go to. They'll let you shoot first, but then you can drink. Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we're open to that, Country Boy, because I know you guys are listening. I'm sure after this very professional podcast, you're very interested in in sponsoring us. It'd so. be more fun if we had a little buzz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. All right, guys. It was uh, Dan Hood, Jacob Knight, and Ron Brad Luttrell. Thanks for listening. To log this, go to your Go Wild app, hit the plus sign, log time, outdoor podcast, and you'll see us up top there, uncensored podcast. You can also log your other podcasts you're listening to. You can log no low ballers, or you can log your meat eaters or whatever you're listening to on the Go Wild app. That gets you points. When you get points, you can go into the shop and uh, use those rewards you're earning all along the way. We got five. 10% coupons. You get stickers, all kinds of good stuff. Blaze so Orange Hat and Vest. We did just launch a gumbroker.com Blaze and Vest. Uh, it's pretty sweet. So that's actually getting ready to roll out today. It might be sold out by the time you guys check that Probably. out. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's going, it's going to go down. You can look at everybody else's pictures of it. Yeah. yeah. You, but, that's right. Go on your app and look at what you missed out on because you weren't using the app every day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye. <laughs>